The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest creeps, to the backwoods swamp near the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. This is Monster Denison, owner-operator of Red Dirt Monsters and scare actor at Nightmare in the Country, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, hello, hello. It's Crazy Bob here from the Haunted Hydro Dark Attraction Park in Fremont, Ohio, and you're listening to none other than The Big, The Scary Show. <laughs> hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Jonathan Seth from Bright Nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Chip Wells from Virginia Haunt Fest, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Mr. Lobo of Cinema Insomnia, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, or are you? You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Scary Show. Oh, so glad to see you all out there. It has been a hot, hot summer so far, hasn't it? Boy, it is so hot down here. I saw a banana putting sunscreen on so he wouldn't peel. Alright, I may not be a good comedian, but our show, episode 266, is a very good one for you this time. While you're getting your builds done, while you're getting your plans finalized, while you're getting everything ready for the upcoming season, The Big Scary Show is here, and we are providing you with some very important information, all the latest news, some great music, and more. Storm's going to be talking about, well, Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. Wonder what that could be about. Meat Hook Jim is going to be talking about getting drawn and quartered. Sounds intriguing. The Old Crone will be mentioning search engine optimization and how that's going to benefit your haunt. I, of course, will be bringing you all the latest in deadline news, plus a gruesome giveaway for the month of July. Our roundtable of terror is very timely and is very important this time of year for haunt owners. We're talking actor training and recruitment. 
We've got a trio of people who have been actor training for a while, and we share some tips and some tricks and some ways to hold on to your actors, make them a real tight-knit unit, and make your haunt that much scarier. All this and so much more, folks. It's a short introduction because it's hot. Oh, and we also have some really hot tunes for you. So stick around, stay cool, stay hydrated, and tune in to episode 266 of The Big Scary Show. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. <laughs> see you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate Baron Miseraka As we embrace on the Big Scary Show. Made for me and you 
Only once did I risk the most distant glimpse of the grim and foreboding House of Usher. The mere sight of that awesome structure, huge and menacing, struck me chill with fear. It lay like a malignant sore that festered in the middle of the wasteland. Overhead, the clouds hung low, and a ghastly vapor rose from the ground. It seemed as if the roots of the house touched the very coals of hell. This was the House of Usher. The history of the ushers is a history of savage degradations. And always in this house, the house itself is evil now. Edgar Allan Poe's spine-tingling The House of Usher with Vincent Price in chilling color and cinemascope. Poe's timeless The House of Usher. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Greetings, listeners, listeners, and welcome. welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. torso. It's time time for Between between the the corpses. Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are delving back into the history of torture and execution written by Jane Calloway. i got to give her credit for this because this is a really fascinating read. And we're talking about hanged, drawn, and quartered. The fate of criminals deemed so dire that mere death was not enough was barbarous. The process of hanging, drawing, and quartering was as severe as executions became. The sentence pronounced on the Duke of Buckingham in 1521 was horrifically detailed. You shall be taken to the King's prison, the Tower of London, and there laid on a hurdle, and so drawn to the place of your execution, and there to be hanged and cut down alive. Your members be cut off, and cast into the fire, your bowels burnt before your eyes, your head smitten off and your body quartered and divided at the king's will, and God have mercy on your soul. Such judgment was the dreadful consequence of treachery for men in England for more than five centuries. Women were hanged and burned. David, Prince of Wales, is thought to have been the first to face such appalling treatment at Shrewsbury in 1283. Under Edward III, the punishment was instituted more widely. Cratwell, an executioner during the reign of Henry VIII, was praised by the Lord Chancellor as a a conning butcher in the quartering of men. 
Although some victims were drawn to the scaffold by a horse, the drawn part of the punishment refers to the drawing of the intestines from their stomach. A small slit was made and the innards slowly and painfully extracted and sometimes burned. If carefully done, the butchered person remained conscious throughout and, only, and death only came when the body was quartered with axe blows. Guy Fawkes and other members of the gunpowder plot suffered the grim indignity after they were caught on November 5, 1605. Protestant followers of the Duke of Monmouth were similarly dealt with 80 years later after attempting an uprising against James II. It was a black spot in British history, thanks largely to the callous judge Sir George Jeffreys. Traveling around the southwest, from where most of the rebels had been drawn, Jeffreys conducted the Bloody Assizes that ended in approximately 250 people being hung, drawn, and quartered. Following the Jacobite Rebellion of 1745, Catholics again felt the wrath of law. Their punishment was further embellished as their heads were spiked over the Temple Bar Gateway, London, but the merciful executioner ensured they were dead before carving up their bodies. But shockingly, the sorry method of execution continued as late as 1820, albeit in a diluted form. Following the Cato Street conspiracy that threatened to overthrow the government, eight condemned men were decapitated rather than quartered, and the executioners ensured that the initial hanging killed them. Commentators at the time believe a surgeon carried out the task. At last, it was no longer necessary to cut out the traitor's heart for symbolic effect. A crowd estimated at 100,000 gathered to see the Cato Street conspirators die outside Newgate Prison. The spectators include many from the higher orders of society who felt directly threatened by the plan of Arthur Thistlewood, the idealistic leader of the plotters. Afterward, an overhaul in the system of punishments meant the axe was never raised again in such a manner. Although the mob was disapproving of the punishment, the execution caused little public condemnation or adverse newspaper comment. Successive executioners were not moved by the horror of their task. They ensured there was plenty of sawdust on the scaffold to soak up the blood and kept a knife in hand in case the axe proved too blunt. If they fumbled, it was because they were unfamiliar with the procedure as beheadings became even rarer. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about that. It's just uh, barbaric in this day and age. But, you know what? That was back then. So, you know, and probably, probably curbed a lot of crime. Who knows? We'll catch you on the next episode. Hi everyone, it's Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 266. And we're kicking it off with some news from the Las Vegas Fright Nights haunted attraction 
in Las Vegas. You've been waiting, and now it is here. Summer of Screams will be opening July 15th and 16th. Summer of Screams is an early sneak peek of our Vegas Fright Nights event. Only 3,000 tickets are available for this special, special event. The first 1,000 people through the doors will get a special wristband that will allow you access to our opening night in the fall on September 30th. Get tickets and more information at VegasFrightNights.com. We have an update to Days of the Dead coming to Indianapolis. It is with great excitement that we announce actor Roger Jackson to the lineup for Days of the Dead, happening July 22nd through the 24th at the Indianapolis Marriott East. Jackson is known for providing the voice for the serial killer, Ghostface in Scream, as well as Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4. He's also appeared in animated films and television series like the Walt Disney Company's The Book of Pooh. He also voiced the maniacal monkey genius Mojo Jojo and the rowdy rough boy bunch on the Powderpuff Girls. For more information and tickets to Days of the Dead, visit daysofthedead.com. We have this news from the Wicked World Scaregrounds in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Attention! For one night and one night only, July 8th, we will be open for Nightmares of Hollywood. Tickets are $20 at the gate, and the event will run from 9 p.m. to midnight. Come see some of your favorite scary movie characters. We can't wait to see you there. Tickets are $20 at the gate, but if you attend the Haunters Against Hate convention that weekend, you can purchase tickets at our booth and you'll get them for a discounted price. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash wickedworldscaregrounds. We have some hiring news from the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. We're hiring all kinds of people for the nation's premier Halloween event and are committed to fostering an environment of diversity and inclusion where staff of various backgrounds can thrive. The 2022 season of Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary will once again feature a variety of attractions and experiences, including haunted houses, immersive walkthroughs, themed bars, opportunities to learn about the penitentiary's history, and more. All proceeds from Halloween night support the preservation and interpretation of Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site, a national historic landmark. All staff must be 18 years old or older and must successfully complete a background check. All employees must be able to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination as well. Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site, Inc. is an equal opportunity employer. To apply and get more information, visit easternstate.org slash Halloween. Speaking of hiring news, we have this hiring news from the Blood Prison at Mansfield Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. We need inmates. Do you possess the darkness to conjure panic and terror in others as an inmate? The widow wants you incarcerated. Join our team and report to Blood Prison to carry out your sentence. To join our inmate team, contact Haunt Manager Vic Amasquita. For more information and to fill out an application, visit bloodprison.com slash inmates wanted. We have an update from Horror Hound Weekend coming to Cincinnati. We are excited to announce the addition of Jason Marsden 
who, th- who voiced Thackeray Binks in Hocus Pocus, to the guest list for Horror Hound Weekend Cincinnati taking place September 9th through the 11th. Jason Marsden will be taking part of a special Hocus Pocus reunion at Horror Hound Weekend, where a sp- specially decorated pro photo op will be offered and a reunion Q&A will occur live on stage. Discount pre-sale tickets are now live at HorrorHoundWeekend.com. We have this update from Midsummer Scream coming to Long Beach, California. Midsummer Scream is thrilled to welcome back Halloween Horror Nights Hollywood creative director and executive producer John Murdy. On Saturday, July 30th in the Grand Ballroom, he will engage with fans to provide an exclusive look at the Universal Studios' Hollywood design process and details on this year's slate of haunted houses. Tickets to Midsummer Scream are available now. Go to midsummerscream.org for more information. Happening July 29th through the 31st at the Long Beach Convention and Entertainment Center. Once again, that website, midsummerscream.org. And finally, we have this news regarding an upcoming... Monster High movie. This comes via AllHallowsGeek.com. Last year it was announced that Nickelodeon and Mattel were teaming up to release a live-action Monster High movie. Nickelodeon has given us our first taste of the new film via a quick teaser, including some of the Monster High's most notorious students. The first tease from the movie gives us clear glimpses of the characters. Claudine Wolf, Frankie Stein, Draculaura, and what appears to be Deuce Gorgon. The teaser also features flashes of what look to be other popular Monster High characters, such as Cleo Denial. This latest take on Monster High will be a television movie musical that's coming both to Nickelodeon as well as Paramount Plus this fall. And while we don't want to draw comparisons, this tease gives off similar vibes to some of the Disney Channel teen monster movies we've seen in recent years like Descendants and Zombies. The film stars Mila Harris as Claudine Wolf, Cece Bagalot, Balagot as Frankie Stein, Naya Damison as Draculaura, and you can view the Monster High teasers on Nickelodeon's Instagram page. Remember folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, let's see if you're listening closely to the show because it is time for the July edition of the Gruesome Giveaway sponsored by ScreamlineStudios.com. It may be summer, but fall is just around the corner. And the folks at Screamline Studios wants to make sure that you are all set up for all your Halloween supplies. So go visit ScreamlineStudios.com and see all the fine things they have. Or, if you're lucky, you could win something right here. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is in the show. You need to email us the answer along with your name and phone number to bsscontest at gmail.com before midnight on July 11th and you could be randomly selected to be the winner. Now, without further ado, the question for the July Gruesome Giveaway is... During Deadline News, 
I mentioned that at Midsummer Scream on July 30th, somebody will be providing a seminar where they will be discussing and providing an inside look at Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood. Who is that very special guest? If you think you know the answer to that, email that to us, bsscontest at gmail.com, along with your name and phone number, and you could be randomly selected to win a great prize from our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com, who have been providing us prizes since the very first day. Previous winners and family members of The Big Scary Show are not eligible to win. Good luck. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to July. It is the middle of summer, and don't panic, but haunt season's going to start in maybe 10 to 12 weeks for a lot of people. So you might want to start getting those plans finalized. You might want to get those builds into high gear as the high summer heat hits us. And now is the time to start talking about recruiting and training your actors. You know, acting is such an integral part of haunted attractions. You can have the best set designs. You can have the best music, the best fog, all that good stuff. Without actors, you're a display, my opinion, of course. But uh, we thought we would talk a little bit about actor training this session. I know Storm and Meat Hook Jim and probably Jana have all done some actor training in their day, as well as myself. But we thought we'd bring a couple of new folks in to talk about the very fine art and science of scare acting. If you've never ha- acted at a haunted attraction, maybe we'll give you some fine tips when you go towards your auditions. Maybe if you're a haunt owner and you're interested, I'm always for hire and I'll plug that at the end of the training and I'm sure Jim might as well. So anyway, let's talk to our very special guests about actor training. First, we want to go down to Boynton Beach, Florida with Jonathan Seth on the line. Jonathan used to work at Enigma Haunt in Florida. I don't believe they're around anymore, but now he'll be working Fright Nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds. Jonathan, how are you, sir? I am doing well and excited to be talking about actor training. That's my, uh, it gets me going. I can only imagine the weather is paradise down in Florida today, (laughs) right? Well, it's absolutely paradise for alligators and other creatures that live, you know, thrive on incredible heat. Yes. Everybody but humans. It's what, 90 with 90% humidity. I can only relate. (laughs) Heading heading a little bit to the west where hopefully it's a little drier and less humid. We've got Ted Dennison, who is in Arnett, Oklahoma, but he works for Nightmare in the Country Haunted Attraction in Woodward. He's been training about three years or so. Ted, are you with us? Yes, sir. How are you tonight? Oh, we are fantastic. Glad to have you aboard, sir. Look forward to hearing your views as a relatively new actor trainer. 
Awesome. And of course we, and of course we couldn't do this without our great hosts, including somebody who probably trained a little bit up at Trails to Terror in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Uh, greetings from Solar Flare Central. Very nice. A man who has done lots of actor training with Mall and other places. We have in Cincinnati, Meat Hook Jim. Uh, yeah, and I'm in the coolest room in the house right now. I had two air conditioners go out on me this weekend. Oh, that's. That's horrible, man. <laughs> so sorry. But the coolest it's, room in the house is my studio. I would just say any room you're in, sir, is automatically the coolest room in the house. But I'm okay. bump. Uh, okay. I got <laughs> like Jonathan, I'm very familiar with Boynton Beach. My mother grew up there. Oh, excellent. Nice. So, and down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, who's probably trained a few actors at her haunt, Banshee Manor, we have the old crone, Jonna. How are you? I am sweating in places an old crone shouldn't sweat in. <laughs> just cast one of those drying spells or something. I'm trying. It's not working. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the rain has finally started after a couple of weeks of not having it. 100 degree temperatures, 99% humidity. It was about damn time those clouds started releasing some of that moisture. But we're not here to talk about the humidity, which is miserable. We're here to talk about actor training, recruiting, keeping your actors, teaching them all the right things, maybe developing a new character or working on an existing character. But let's find out a little bit about our guests and what they do. Jonathan, let's talk with you first. Uh, how did you get started into doing actor training? I'm assuming you went the actor route and manager route and then went into this? Or how did well, you get started? Well... I started I started performing professionally around 30 years ago. So I and I done everything from opera to commedia dell'arte and, uh, and and everything, you know, busking for tips, uh, theme parks in the United States and Japan. So I come from a more of a performance background. So when I, you know, after a certain point, when, when I sort of found I started uh, haunting in like professionally haunting as a separate uh, performance in Orlando because you could do that, you know, there is that, you know, all of the performance opportunities in the world are there. So I started performing in Orlando and there was a haunted house. So I started haunting there. And a number of years later, uh, when I moved down to South Florida and, you know, my day job became uh, a lot more uh, demanding per se. And so I couldn't do as much as I was doing. And I found a haunted house and I, I passed by there and I just, I showed up, I auditioned and then, uh, in a year or so, the their actor trainer left, and I had, and I have the experience and the background from doing a lot of other things. So I approach haunt actor haunt actor training, coming from different backgrounds as opposed to specifically just being starting off in a haunt, working in the haunt, and then getting promoted. So I I came in a little bit. It's almost a little bit from the outside. Uh, so it's probably a a less traditional route for me to become an actor trainer, but. That's what I that but that's what I did for like eight or nine years or so. I didn't even want. I want to hear more about the opera, but we'll talk about that off the air. That sounds <laughs> fascinating. Uh, Ted, Ted, how did you get started into actor training? You've been doing this now three years. I assume all with Nightmare in the Country. Were were you the actor, and all of a sudden the trainer left type situation, or how did you get into it? You know, I was working cooking actually in a kitchen, and my waitress came up to me and said. Uh, I think I have a home for you. And she introduced me to the people there at Nightmare in the Country. And that was 11 years ago. Uh, 
I started acting, started winning, you know, the most scary, the most intimidating. And my boss came to me and says, Hey, can, can you shed something about your style and these other people? And maybe we can make a more intense haunt. So sure. So we started doing a little research and we, we got a, a team together. You know, it wasn't just me, of course, and I'm not going to take all the credit, but we had a pretty good team together and we ran through a lot of stuff and, and uh, started raising intensity in the haunt. And after the first year, my boss is like, I, I think we're going to keep this. So three years later, here I am. And now everybody says, well, what do you do now? Well, what do you do here? Well, we'll figure it out, but let's, let's get everybody in the haunt first and, and go from there with it. Do you still continue to act or are you primarily trainer and management now? No, no, I'm, I'm still one of the top end uh, scare actors in the haunt. Um, we do still do the, the actor training. Uh, I help build sets, build characters uh, from basically January. We start with the haunt and start figuring out where we want, you know, those particular characters. And then we seek those people out through recruiting and stuff like that through the year. Very nice. Uh, Jim, how did you do this? I know you were working at one of the theme parks like I did. And how did you get into the training aspect of it? Well, uh, interestingly enough, it was my first year at uh, Kings Island Haunt. And uh, they had just opened a new attraction called, um, I can't remember, it was a hospital theme. I can't remember the name of it right now. Urgent Scare, that was the name of it. Urgent Scare. And... Yeah, here I am. I'm in my 40s, my mid to late 40s, um, going into this. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was all in my head. Um, I, I knew how to do all this stuff. I'd done it for years at home. So some of the younger actors started asking me for help. So that's what spurred this whole thing was younger actors asking for help with their characters and what they should do. I started uh, similar to what Jim did. I started working at um, Scarrowinds, which is another Cedar Fair Park in 2002. And then around 2005, people started asking me, well, well, what do you think would work here? Because there was this core group of three or four or five of us who had been there year after year. And we had such high turnaround back in those days. And it just got to the point where, well, frankly, I decided I could do more of this going off and sending my services out to professional haunts around the country. And I formed my company in 2009 and started training actors at that point. So, you know, went very similar to what Jim did. And I think, you know, Jim being in his forties and me being in my thirties at the time when I started, you know, as opposed to, you know, 17 or 18, you know, they kind of looked up to some of the older guys, the, the four or five of us that had been there since, you know, I believe their first year was 2000. A bunch of them came in in 2000, 2001. I came in, in 2002. And they just kind of looked up to the people who had been there that long. And, and some of us at that time had been there, you know, seven, eight or nine years when I find it, finally wound up leaving and heading to, uh, to doing this privately. But Storm, were, were you an actor trainer in addition to managing things? Or how did you get into it? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, you know, uh, my story is a little different, doesn't, you know, mirror the um, plot of showgirls like a lot of actor trainers do uh, with their haunts. But, um, you know, uh, with the haunt I went to, 
know, I'd start a couple other ones, wanted to be more than just an actor. So I'd take a lot of the classes at conventions, work with actor training, just at first to better how I was as an actor, but then use that within it. That's more on the creative side, pretty much assisting the GM and, and doing that type of thing. So I would support the house managers. Because, yeah, I could do actor training, go with it, but they're the ones who are working with the actors hands-on console. So I, I need to default to them and then work with any actors on the side, anything that managers would tell me to do to work, help and give them ideas and stuff, too. So, you know, it's neat because there's, there's a role in haunts for actor training at all levels. But the, the big concentration, I always feel like, has to come from the managers. They're the ones who are dealing with everything at that point. And they're the ones that your actors should be respecting going with first. But you can have that throughout it, especially with any GMs, operations, owners, that type of thing. So it, it's cool with actor training because somebody can add something. Even your owners who, you know, aren't really haunt people. If, if it's, you know, I worked at a hayride, so we had a, um, you know, a garden center and stuff, and that's what the owner did but good gem from him on actor training what to do how to handle people so that's neat part uh, with it too so even if you don't find yourself you're listening to this and you don't you're not in an actor training role uh you know air quotes you might actually be in that and can be an influencer to especially the new actors who uh are showing up for the first time and John, I don't think we've ever asked you this question. We know you're the owner of Banshee Manor, but do you have a trainer specific or do you do the majority of it or how do you do this? I do the majority of it. Kind of like Jonathan, I've been in um, entertainment for a long time, um, doing community theater, doing um, audio theater, improv, and things like that. So I have a pretty extensive non-professional acting background. Um, and then before I opened Banshee Manor, I did... Um, some coaching and actor training at some of the area haunts. I would, you know, go through their haunt and, you know, see what they were doing. And then I would talk with the owner afterwards and offer some of my observations and stuff. And then sometimes I would actually go and talk to those particular actors and give them some coaching and things like that. Uh, but this is season seven now for Banshee Manor. And um, so I do the training for, for my haunt as well. Fantastic. Uh, question for everybody. Uh, where did you learn your techniques? Did you get a bunch of videos or did you go online or was it just experience working in the haunt or what was it that made you decide I need to learn and up my game as far as teaching others to do this? Where did you, uh, where did you come up with your quote unquote training methods? Well, YouTube is great. Um, Alan Hobbs is great. Um, I think just you can learn from anybody. I, I try to leave a bit of education from, um, from every person I come in contact in the haunt industry. Ted, Jonathan, how, how, sure. how do you guys come up with your methodology? Well, um, so uh, as I said, you know, I started, you know, sort of more classical training and, and had the uh, fortunate, I was fortunate enough to work with so many different disciplines that I that when it came to training uh, actors specifically for haunting, I kind of recognized that haunt acting is a separate discipline from anything else. So instead, just like film and theater uh, are very different, you know, for anybody that's done both film and theater, there there there's some different skills there, some, some different parameters. 
And so that's the same thing for haunting. And so for me, I, you know, of course I do as, as much research and, uh, and having taken, uh, you know, performance classes in all, you know, a lot of these different uh, art forms, sort of putting that together, uh, I've really started creating my own form and style for what a haunted house needs and for haunt acting, as opposed to just sort of taking from, uh, you know, taking what works from other places and adapting it to a haunt situation. So I'm, uh, it's, it's very uh, deliberate and studied the way that I approach uh, haunt training. If that makes any sense. It does. Okay, Ted, how did you come up with your uh, methodology for teaching and all that? Was it videos? Was it just your, your experience? How, how did you come up with a program? A lot of YouTube, a lot of Alan Hobbs. Um, you know, I, I did take theatrical classes in college and I had a, a really good theatrical teacher um, but she always would want us to adapt it to ourselves with cues and stuff. So I took a lot of that to, you know, my haunt acting groups, you know, it's, it's all just being able to uh, get every feeling in yourself out there, you know, for those, I lost myself there. Might have to edit that. <laughs> no, I, I thought the expression, I love that. No, that's exactly I it. I just wanna, it's, it's, thank you for completely lost that there but yeah sorry go on how about you jim did you uh, do this mostly on your experience or how did you come up with your actor training techniques uh well you know i listened and and learned from other people uh it's an amalgamation of of actor trainers including yourself alan hops katie lane um who else do we have back then what was her name um Katie Johnson. Well, she's one of them, but she was uh, in the business and she got out of the business. She lived out in the uh, Colorado Mich area. Michelle. Michelle Arroyo. Yes. Yeah. And we have Bob Turner almost here with us. Awesome. I see his uh, picture just waiting for. Uh, there we go. We got audio now. Hey, Bob. Well, I made it. You did. <laughs> there he is. May of miracles want, never cease. <laughs> we want to introduce a little late to the party, but at the party nonetheless, crazy Bob Turner from the Haunted Hydro in Fremont, Ohio. Bob has been teaching for, oh, well, over 30 years, I'm sure. His uh, Hauntertainer University, I believe, and boy, I'm dating myself here. I think Storm and I took Hauntertainer University in 2008 at the Midwest Honors Convention. Bob, how you doing? I I apologize to all the constituents and uh, to you also, Drew. Uh, today was one of those days where I look at it and it's like a day late, a dollar short with every project, but it was a good project. Uh, we had approximately 45 people going down the Sandusky River with our new company called Ghoul Running Kayak Adventures. Um, it's a sister company for our Haunted Hydro, and um, that's a huge group to take down a river at one time. And we we had our we had our hands full, but everybody finished in good shape. And uh, I'm only running about an hour behind at this point. And nobody so, died, so that's great. So nobody died. I, I don't we, get to put another person under the under the burial site. So. <laughs> 
There you go. Uh, we were asking right before you came in, we were asking how you created your methodology and your techniques. Now, you created an entire system, Hauntertainer University. How was um, that, how was that created? Was that basically based on just your experience as being a haunt owner? Or did you talk to other people or come up with this or come up with that? How, how did you come up with Hauntertainer U? Well, uh, I thank you for the questions. And uh, yes, it's true that it was a completely encompassed one. We, as you well remember, we set it up so it was an eight-hour class for the fast set. And it was a two-day class for um, those that wanted to go the entire gauntlet of, of actor training. Because um, it was not really set for beginners. It was set for more advanced uh, actors who were looking to break into a combination of many different aspects of the haunt industry. Um, and the reason why we established it was that um, I traveled extensively during those earlier years because I sat on the board of directors for the, at that time it was called the IAHA, the International Association of Haunted Attractions. Uh, for 11 years, and I had the chance to see a great deal of wonderful locations uh, with many great aspects, and uh, um, I still go back to my original concept and my original philosophy that, uh, yes, you can build it and they will come, but if you don't have a successful, established, rehearsed crew, then they will never come back. And um, I saw a great deal of, of wonderful entertainers who were jumping at the bit to, to show their skills, but there was no one willing to take on a major project of that nature. And um, I cannot profess to say that I did it by myself. I had a wonderful group of established actors in our facility who went to great lengths to help me with that entire project. And uh, I, there was probably six, six different key people who uh, each one of them took a particular segment, whether it was timing, whether it was costuming, whether it was uh, speech, uh, whether it was um, a combination of props uh, that started their characters and activities. So, I was very fortunate to be able to utilize some great people. And um, we, we took the careful step-by-step -step documentation to be able to produce a booklet. And then, uh, as you may or may not remember, uh, we were the first ones to come out with CDs. Oh, my God, CDs for actors. Woo! A uh, lot of fun, a lot of activity. And uh, it was very well received. And, uh, yes, uh, we taught that program for about six years. Uh, and at that point, um, it had been highly successful and we had accomplished a great deal. And I got involved with the Hollywood Horror program in Australia. And that consumed a huge amount of our times for the next six and a half years, where we sent 32 actors to Australia and New Zealand, um, two months at a time in the fall and one month at a time in the spring. And uh, once again, it was based upon 
the entertainment capability, the uh, established actor at the front door who would control the entire scenarios. And uh, it worked so well that we, five out of the seven years that we were involved with the program, um, we took major accolades for the Royal Easter show that was held in Sydney, Australia, uh, which was a 10-day festival and attracted almost a million people each year. Wow. That is, that is spectacular. So and anyway, go ahead. So to finish it off, to basically say, uh, when we finished with that scenario, uh, my wife and I concentrated efforts on our 1910 hydroelectric power plant, which is uh, a one of a kind in the United States, I'm still proud to say. And we uh, focused on, on improving our, our own facility, giving a better bang for the buck and increasing our attendance. And it has just gone extremely well. This is our 33rd year now. And to answer your questions, it still is based upon the in, from day one. And I do understand some people wish to call it an old school approach. And I laugh and say, well, if it's an old school approach, it sure does pay the bills in a wonderful way. Um, and it actually established our second company, which is based upon a visitation where we it being a hydroelectric power plant, it goes down the river. Um, and we had been giving trips to our staff to as rewards with kayaking. And the next thing I know, we're buying more kayaks and we're doing different activities and friends and some businesses were utilizing it. So the next step was logically to start another company, totally separate, um, which my wife owns and operates. But it is uh, where we actually give behind the scene tours of our 1910 hydroelectric power plant to kayakers going down the Sandusky River. And needless to say, that gave us the opportunity to hire another employee to help us build better and do, do, uh, do things we had never dreamed of. So um, I'm very happy to say we, we still feel that some of the grassroots that we started with are just as important today as what it was when we started. And it, it starts with a person who wants to improve themselves, a person who enjoys entertaining and entertaining. Yes. Uh, I call that uh, a, a, a kind of a mixed series of educational points that once you find a, a good method, um, there's nothing wrong with sharing it. And I, my policy always has been from the beginning of time prior to any hauntertainer or haunter conference, uh, because there was none when we started. Uh, Transworld had a costume show. They had a paper goods show. And there was nothing for haunters. And uh, Bob, as Crazy Bob, I started meeting with some haunt owners. And uh, again, I cannot say thank you to enough to all the people who have been blessed with helping us with the different ideas and activities. So that was why when you called, can I spare some time to come and uh, share information? Absolutely. And feel free to ask questions or um, 
And if I don't know an answer, I'm going to honestly say, let's pass it on to somebody else that can answer it better than I can. And that's a great philosophy. I do want to remind you, folks, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking actor training, recruiting, character development with our very special guest, Ted Dennison, Jonathan Seth, Crazy Bob Turner, our usual host. We're going to take a really short break here because Bob came in late. We want to get him up to speed and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? Haunt Bay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back to the Roundtable of Terror, which I forgot to mention at the very beginning, so please, I apologize. We are very proudly sponsored by Haunt Pay. For all your time ticketing needs, your virtual queues, anything ticket-related for your haunt, please visit Alex and his fine staff at hauntpay.com. As you just heard the commercial, I do apologize for that. I was so excited to talk about the topic of actor training with our very special guest, Ted Dennison, Jonathan Seth, crazy Bob Turner has joined us a little late, but he is here along with our regular hosts. And do any of the hosts have a question for our guests? I would like to know what you, whenever you're doing your training, um, I'm assuming you do that at the same time that you're going over policies, attendance, guidelines, and everything else. Um, I like to start with a little icebreaker. Um, I've done a lot of improv, so I like to start off with an icebreaker. Of I take well-known movie quotes, and they have to pull it out of a hat, and they have to say that quote in the scariest voice that they can. So it gets, it gets quite comical because I pick things that are not normally said that way. Um, but how do you guys do your, your kind of icebreakers and get your actors started in that mode of, of, uh, letting themselves go to learn? Well, um, I would, I would say that, uh, in the situations that I've been in, usually we did, uh, the, like the paperwork and the administration separately. And then, uh, we would uh, probably, and you know, some instances we would also have like a safety training separately. I think that a lot of the uh, the real um, I did uh, I did a lot of icebreaking stuff a lot in auditions. So even by the time that they are in, when we first get them together, they you know they've kind of already started and they have that. But my icebreaker is uh, yes, let's. It's an old improv uh, style game. Basically, it teaches accepting and listening and resetting. You know, getting back into position. I know Based, it well. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very basic, very easy game, and it's a group game so that everybody starts off doing it together, so you don't have people feeling like they are on the spot right away. And when they are on the spot to give a suggestion, uh, you know, everybody accepts it. So in other words, it's team building uh, as well as uh, warm up and getting silly all at the same time. Uh, do I do? Should I explain uh, what that game is? Or yeah, sure. 
The, yes, um, let's let's learn it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, basically, everybody you know, everybody stands in a circle, or you know, you might have to make two circles if you have way, way, way too many people. And then one person says, "Let's do something like let's play baseball." And then everybody says, "Yes, let's." And they all play baseball for like two or three seconds, and then they get back in line. So you, so in other words, everybody listens to the person that, that uh, and they accept what that person's giving to them. So it builds confidence and group uh, dynamics. And it, and it goes all the way around. And, you know, partway through, I'll say, hey, I shouldn't have to stop you to get you to listen to the next person. So do what you have to do and get back in position. Because in a haunt, when you're working and you're doing whatever you're doing, you have to be aware of your surroundings in case the next group is coming in. So it starts with awareness, uh, group participation altogether. So that's my favorite uh, icebreaker warm up. I can. Uh, this is crazy, Bob. And I, I do mine differently. Um, because first of all, when we, we, it takes us probably, we hire 80 to 85 actors per season. Um, they are a, uh, not required to work every single night. So we try to find out whose strengths and activities, and we want them to know our basic concepts as a business before we ever do any activity with training. Uh, we do that for several reasons. One is um, we want to know that the people who are going to take the training are committed 110%. And that is one way of eliminating, eliminating probably 15 to 20% right off the bat. Because we try to explain what our protocols are, even after 33 years, even the people who have been with us for 10 years or longer, they still have to audition. And they still have to go through our um, review of what we expect of each and every person who works for the Haunted Hydro. And that usually takes about two hours, two and a half hours. And then what we will do is set up two or three different nights for the auditions, because we know that if you try to get 80 people together, there is not a chance in the world you're going to be able to give them the, the wherewithal and the, the intention of strength and helping that's needed. So we usually try to break it down to two, three, or sometimes even four different nights. After we've got a good one, um, we then have what we call team leaders. Our team leaders will get back with us and say, this person's a one, two, or three. One is perfect. Two is where he's good to go, but needs to work on this. And number three means if they are really interested and they still want to be part of the program, we have a lot of work to do. And so we schedule those auditions uh, in that format because they have to pass the audition before we will accept them as part of the team. And when I say team, that brings it back to you're only as good as your weakest link. So um, it is more intensive. It does take a lot more commitment, but I also find out that it means less loss during season. And it also makes it so that we can enjoy learning these people by a first name basis. Um, which, which for me is terrible. I'm very bad at names, but I am very good at understanding the wherewithal of what they need and how they need to get it. And then we do have, you know, different formats of icebreakers. Alan Hops is one of the greatest people to 
look at those and, and come up with different icebreakers. And he'd give seminars and programs and everything on it from from many different directions, both as uh, CDs and also as uh, convention activities. So, um, again, we do ours a little differently because we know that once you get them all trained and you've spent all this time on them and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to be this character. I don't want to do this. And, and after the first night, I'm, my voice hurts and I'm having trouble with my kids and babysitting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's when I look at it and try to eliminate wasted time, wasted talent and wasted space on people who are not going to give us 110% commitment. So we do it a little differently and every haunt is different with their approaches, but it still comes down to dedication and hard work. How about you, Ted? How do you uh, do your icebreakers? A lot of the times guys, we're just so small out here that it's uh, we know everybody and, hi, this is so-and-so I've been here for so long. And we tell us something that we haven't seen, you know, them for a year has happened in their life. I, I sit and listen with my jaw open. I wish, I wish we had the opportunities and, and just some of the abilities to even do what, what you guys have mentioned here. This is wow, guys. I'm lucky if I get 80 people to show up for auditions. I'm out here. Uh, how big is your, how big is your staff normally? Okay, so when we first started there at Nightmare in the Country, my boss had a barn and a trail, and I think there was a total of 25 people uh, in the 11 years we've grown. At one point, we were six haunts and, and 112 deep, I think, and that included security and our ticket takers and support staff. Uh, last year, we had 45 staff members with security, um, we had two haunts, uh, they were mixed trail and two story barn. Um, and, and we did really good numbers compared, you know, to not being open last year from COVID, but still guys, I'm just sitting here in awe at, and listening to the amount of numbers that you guys are able to say, well, you're, you're not going to bring your a game. Then we're going to find somebody that will, we, we can't do that, man. We have to be able to adjust and adapt and, and, get through the night <laughs> i hey ted i i feel you because i have a very small haunt my staff is 20 to 25 people so um yeah i'm kind of like 83 people show <laughs> yeah i agree with you i'm right there with you ted it, it seems to be a, a big problem these days the last couple of years covid notwithstanding you know so many people that i talked to at Transworld said their biggest issue with actors was finding them last yeah. year so many haunts did record numbers so many haunts did great business because people want to get out there and see the stuff but you know how do you find good actors these days you know you, you know a lot of people get older you know you, i may have worked at a haunt for 10 years but now i've got kids and i can't do this so what are you know, some good ideas. Where's a good place to find actors, whether you're in a big city, whether in a small town or, or other? What are some of your uh, ideas? Well, I'll pass along what we do. And we do not wait till two months before October. Um, we actually uh, take vehicles and um, staff 
And we participate usually in about 15 parades, different parades and events. And we also go to a couple of festivals and fairs. Um, we will set up exhibit tents and activities. And you better believe I do put out banners that says, if you're a good monster, we love you. Uh, and when we go to do the parades, fairs, and festivals, um, I pass out flyers that are promoting our halfway through the year. We have a halfway to Halloween for a two-nighter, but that's the only time we open other than in October. Um, we also try to do some things throughout the season so that we keep our staff together. Um, we'll go bowling one night. Um, and everybody, you may laugh, but during off season, um, we have building projects and we try to keep our people together doing the building projects. And, um, and yes, it's, it is the last year we probably struggled for two nights to have the minimum. And our minimum is like 68. Now that's actors only. And I have never in, a, in so many years had so many issues with, uh, the various um, challenges that came along with that. But um, in the end, it brought us together stronger, bigger, and better. Um, we did hire a record number last year. We retain about 60 to 65% of our staff every year. Now, some staff do take a year off and come back because of boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, job activities, career activities, and et cetera. So, but we do participate and stay out in front of the visual public as much as possible because parades cost you nothing. And you put out uh, hiring activities, uh, show us your interest, send us a photo of what your makeup is, you know, and we do, I call them simple, dumb things just to get people to participate. So, um, Again, it is it is getting harder because at this point, um, even McDonald's in our local area, and we are not a big city, we're agricultural based, is paying $14 or more. So that's becoming another issue that um, I can't afford to go up to that type of payroll uh, for my staff. But we do compensate them, like I said, they were the ones that actually had made us start our second business of ghoul running kayak adventures because it cost us nothing. We had friends that had kayaks. We'd borrow theirs. And some of our staff had some extras and we were going down the river two or three times during the summer season. So anything you can do to keep your staff together or to pass along information. And uh, again, we would just do fun stuff. It wasn't that it was, it was educational, although we would always slip in something, what somebody's doing or talk about what was done at Transworld in St. Louis, which we support 100 percent. And uh, those are things that we also reward our staff with. We try to take six to 10 staff with us to Transworld. And when they come back, it's, they're talking to everybody about, oh, they saw this, they did that. And we pick up some extra booklets and things so people can see it and, you know, Oh, this looks interesting. And so we, we actually get together and we do a lot on Facebook um, and we have our own cast and crew Facebook program. So if you can do things like that, 
it will help you 100%. So, um, yeah, Billy, I mean, of course, you know, uh, visibility is absolutely key. Everything that uh, Bob was talking about. Uh, our situation, <clears throat> at least, like I said, I was with Enigma Hunt and that just closed and I was adopted recently by Fright Night. So they're going to have a slightly different uh, approach than uh, what we had before. But uh, we were kind of in between where Bob was and Teddy was. So in other words, we had, uh, we didn't have the luxury to just do, you know, for our exercises to be for the purpose of weeding out who's, you know, really has it and, and doesn't have it. So even during auditions, like I said, with uh, Yes Let's and other uh, games and uh, exercises like that, it was, the idea was more team building and making people feel a part of and getting them to feel freer and uh, so that they, they felt like they were a part of this. So moving forward, and, that, and that's how we would work to retain them even straight from auditions. Because if there's somebody that, that is, just does not have the talent, I can work with the talent if they have enthusiasm. Uh, but uh, Bob's absolutely right. Uh, you know, th this is not a money-making business. So the way that you have to do it uh, is, is making it exciting and accessible to people and make them want to be there. So Eve, that's what I was saying. But yes, lots of other things. Just right from the, from the auditions, we wanted to just bring them into the fold so that they would try to stay with us. Uh, that's and and it's just just like Bob said with everything the recruiting and then on top of that we had to take the you know a little bit more of an extra step, I think. Well, well, I know that Jana was talking before we started. She actually did a parade, which was also something Bob had mm -hmm. mentioned. So, oh yeah, Jana, no, no. how how did you do at the parade this year? This um, weekend, Jana, it was great. We actually won uh, second place in the business division, which was great. Um, but yeah, what what Bob was saying, those are all things I've got on my agenda for this this summer. I started um, recruiting a couple of months ago, um, and just you know, I'm my goal this year is just to get out in front of the public as much as possible. So whenever Halloween comes around, they're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that place." And I've said this before on the air, but if you have a local horror con coming to your area, you should absolutely try to get a booth there with a stack of applications telling people how cool it is to work at your place because everybody that goes to a horror con is your demographic. So you may be able to find that person that, that may not actually know you're there. You know, they watch a lot of horror movies, but they don't get out to haunted houses and they're thinking, Oh, maybe I should do this. You know, there's horror cons every weekend of the year in almost every state in the union that I can think of. You know, from Florida to Oklahoma to Ohio, there's there's the big ones, the Days of the Deads, the Horror Hounds and stuff. And then little small mom and pop things, too. You know, the you know, the smaller horror cons with a couple of celebrity guest stars, but a ton of vendors and everybody that goes to that, you, you should be trying to recruit. So, yeah. And know. don't forget your cosplays and comic cons, things like that. Those are all our demographics. Yeah, I, I think uh, Bob said it the best with visibility. Uh, I, one, one of the things that I found that if you can get one person from one of those groups, a lot of people stay in the haunted house and they're excited about doing it because they have friends there. So we try to create that atmosphere so that people feel like they're a part of something in there, have a family. And, and if they make friends and all of a sudden they have more of a, um, an incentive to be there and to work hard and to do that as a team. So, uh, that, that, and that's really what we kind of had to do because there isn't as much of a haunted house culture down here to find actors as uh, as easily as we would like. 
As far as your techniques, and I know Bob's been doing this literally decades, and you know some of us have been doing it for for a while. You know, there's there's only so many ways you can put somebody in a corner, put a mask on them, and have them jump out at people. Do do you find yourself having to change your acting techniques over time, as maybe technology's improved? Everyone's got a phone these days, or or things like that, or as Bob said before, he was old school haunt. Do you still teach the old school ways of, you know, this acting technique? Well, it's worked for us all this time. Let's uh, let's keep it up. Or or how has how has your actor training changed over the years? I don't know that it's changed over the years. Uh, I think it's advanced is the right term. Um because of the technology, because of cell phones, because of TikTok, because of Facebook uh, and all the Instagram and all the other wonderful abilities to see and, and create different makeup techniques. And, you know, the, the world itself has grown to be our playground. Um, I still feel that the majority of the basic concepts um, attract distract and scare um there's three motions to it there's three styles to it but creativity wise it's based upon the people that you hire and how much freedom you're willing to give them to to show their talent to show their ability granted we can't give a real chainsaw to them and granted we can't allow them to use the profanity that some people might be scared of but um, I'm talking about the freedom of of what if I come at the room into the room or f- above the room or below the room. If I come out on a creeper board from under the bed or the workshop table or, you know, and, you know, you look at a lot of the animatronics and they serve a purpose. But the purpose is generally produced the same and it's done by three or four different companies. So it's you've seen one, you've seen them all. And we still, to this day, have very minimal air animatronics of any kind. Um, What we do have, um, and I'll go back to the classes, is that we will do two or three classes during the season, pre-season, with those that are experienced actors, because we want them to tell us what they're creating, what they're doing, and how they're going to help us build the show bigger and better. I want to let them show their highlight. I want them to tell us what's different. What, why are you going to be better this year? And I produce that as a challenge to them. So, you know, and again, that means you're buying hot dogs and hamburgers and you're going to have some s'mores to chew on from the campfire and and everybody's going to bring some beverages, whether it's non-alcoholic or alcoholic. Uh, and it creates a few more tensions and a few more challenges, but that's how you grow, or at least in my book for it. But again, I don't think that it's, are you following the same old concepts? Because those years are gone. The days of the JCs and the charities are gone. And it now has become a infomercial of opportunities with YouTube and everything else that I mentioned prior. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. it's you, you can't it, get, Go ahead. I was going to say, I think a lot of it depends too on what type of haunt you have. Like I have a very 
actor story driven haunt versus the more extreme haunts versus the collage haunts versus the haunts that that rely heavy on just jump scares. So I think that depends, you know, that has a lot to do with what kind of actors you're wanting as well. Oh, absolutely. And you, you are correct, hundred percent correct with that because the agricultural Halloween programs are um, usually more family friendly uh, with the cast. I call them the Casper, the friendly ghost characters and things of that nature. Um, And there's room for, everybody in this business uh with the exception of one haunted house that uh, we don't talk about not a haunted house don't talk about bruno we, we don't talk about that it's not a haunted house uh, we yes. don't discuss that situation but <laughs> nope. as i said that's the <laughs> only one and I, I think we've all had a good laugh with it but because uh, <laughs> that's not a haunted house either so but i uh i feel that that there is um, there is a lot of concern with the differences, and I still say there's enough room for everybody in this business that um, that they want to do a storyline. And I love a good storyline. We retheme our projects every single year. And, at least three for us. At least three. And it's it's uh, it's a tough one. Uh, it's very tough and it's very expensive to retheme, but the, I use the philosophy from a movie. I go to see a great movie in the theater one time. I never go back to the theater to see it again. On rare occasions, I might rent it from a red box or get it for streaming, but that's when I look at it and it's like a lot of locations been there, done that. I don't want to go back. So, you know, that's when I look at it and say, it's a storyline is a wonderful project and you're handing a script to a different actor and their interpretation hopefully matches what the storyline is. And, and it's an art, it's a craft, it's a development that makes Halloween so special for everybody in the United States in traveling all across the world, they don't have Halloween. They don't have Halloween. And they have castles and they have various um, rituals and various different things that they use that are for scary. And that's one of the things that I've loved about my situation is that I've had the chance to see a lot of these. So in going back to your, your question or your, your observation, is that you are completely correct. Every haunt is going to be different. And each owner has to figure out what is my direction? How do I want to present it to my customer? And has it got the biggest bang for the buck? Well, I know that we are unfortunately a little bit on a time constraint tonight. So I'm going to ask if uh, any of the hosts have additional questions because we unfortunately do have to start winding this down just a bit. No, Storm, I know you usually have stuff. Jonna, Jim? Good. No, I think with time, we've covered so much tonight. Uh, but yeah, I think another question with time, we just, uh, you know, we have such great guests tonight. We just wouldn't let them have the opportunity to answer uh, a good Ooh. question. I, you know, I think we'll have to revisit in the future. I do think that we will have to revisit this, this, uh, this, 
topic again, and definitely the uh, guests should all come back because there, there's just so much to talk about here. You know, we haven't even gotten into character development, so we may just have to do a roundtable on character development in the near future. So, you know, creating those characters are so, so important and everything. But um, I'll throw one last question out of there. Um, do you guys prefer an actor who's good at improv or an actor that's good at working with props? And, and I know every haunt is different, but what do you consider like the one absolutely essential character trait that you look for when you're recruiting your actors? Let's uh, let's start with uh, Jonathan. You know, that that's a, a tough question because I think that there are places for, you know, actors that do. When you find out where an actor fits, if an actor is great with props, that's fantastic. You find an actor who has that specific perfect timing every single time. And it's, it's fantastic as well. Uh, it's, there's, so I don't really have a preference there because what I, you know, we're going to go through, we're going to teach, you know, you know, how to move in the space. We're going to teach how to get scares and we'll find out what people, the, the different abilities that they have and hopefully, you know, find uh, spaces for them perfectly so that they can express that. I can't say that I prefer one thing over another. It's the enthusiasm <laughs> and willingness to learn as well. Willingness to learn and to try the things that we're going to show them. Absolutely. I, uh, I always bring up the example. I have been to haunted houses with a hundred actors who were just kind of halfway doing it because it was near the end of the season and they're tired and, and it's fine. But I've also gone to little haunts with like a dozen actors and they're just still out there as enthusiastic and hooting and hollering. And I've, I always find myself having a, a much better time at that place. Ted, how about you? Do you have one absolute character trait that you look for when trying to bring in people and, and work with them? Absolutely improv, because if they're able to work with the patron as they move through that scene and really get under their, their skin and beat under their skin through the next hallway or the next room, then they, they've made an a impact on that person. And they're going to take that out and they're going to talk about that. And that's going to spread too. So, I mean, for me, I, I want the improv actor. Everything else they can adapt to with props if they're a good improv actor, I think. So that's kind of a, a mixed question, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there is no right or wrong to that. It's, it's, it's all personal preference, too. So how about you, Bob? Do you have that one trait that you really look for when you're bringing in new people to train? Well, it's kind of a combination of my two predecessors here. Um, I use one tool, dedication. If they're going to be dedicated to our haunt, then I've won my battle. I don't care about the rest. I'll either give them the tools to learn or we'll give them the opportunity to create their, their special interest. And improv is wonderful, but working with props is absolutely critical. You know, it, it becomes a circle and it's a 360 circle. And it starts and comes back to where it starts. Um, so when we look at it, and this is what I addressed in the beginning, is that when we have our, I call them uh, meetings, to go through the sheets of how many people submitted that want to be participating with the hydro, I'm looking for those that say they want to be in the Halloween they want to be a part of Halloween, that they feel that they can give something to the haunted hydro and they're willing to learn. So 
I, my keyword there, if they are, if they'll give me 110% of their abilities, I don't have to worry about the rest. And, and again, all excellent answers. Well, unfortunately, as I said, folks, we are on a bit of a time constraint tonight. So we will revisit this topic and probably get into the t- concepts of character development and everything. But this is the part of the show we like to call the plugs. We do want the uh, guests to um, talk about their various haunt ventures, the haunts they work out, if they have websites or social medias or anything like that. Plug it away so that people can find out more information. Maybe get recruited by you guys whenever you're hiring, which I'm assuming should be now. But um, Ted, let's talk. Let's start with you. How can people get more information about Nightmare in the Country? And I believe you told us off the air you also build props, make masks, and do things like that. Is there websites and social media where people can get more information? Sure, sure. Uh, Nightmare in the Country is in Woodward, Oklahoma. We're owned and operated by Kenton Baird at Northwest Real Estate. Um, small family haunt. It's open every weekend in October. Uh, sites for that are nightmareinthecountry.com. They're on Facebook with Nightmare in the Country as well. Um, as far as me, um, I run Red Dirt Monsters out of Arnett, Oklahoma. Uh, I make latex masks, props for theater. Uh, Haunted houses, cosplay. I do uh, movie work right now. We're in the middle of uh, some short films for some uh, movie festivals in Southwest Texas. Uh, Red Dirt Monsters is on Facebook, of course. Um, I'm still getting everything as far as Etsy going. I'm not real computer literate of that (laughs) stuff. That just kills me. Um, But yeah, I'm on Instagram too with RDM Dennison. And uh, TikTok with Red Dirt Monsters as well. And I'm pretty active on that stuff, trying to get everything out. But uh, that's me, man. And I appreciate you guys letting me be here tonight. This was, this was awesome. And, <laughs> and wow. Again, I'm just going to say hello to the Godfather, apparently, because that. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about Fright Nights coming to the South Florida Fairgrounds down in Boynton Beach in South Florida, and how can people get more information and, and all that good stuff? Well, uh, Fright Nights at the uh, Fright Nights at the uh, South Florida Fairgrounds, it's uh, it does have some nice visibility. So uh, uh, you know they they are on Facebook. There's websites. Uh, that's it, it's hard to give you a you know like a, a link right now over the radio, uh, but uh, that's. Yeah, well, come out and see us. They you know, once again we change, uh, you know, change the uh, change themes, as Bob was talking about. Uh, so find them on the web. Uh, for me, uh, I'm Sammy Days on Facebook. I don't do a lot of self promotion. That's not uh, so. I'm not really out there on like TikTok or Instagram, and I probably should be, because that's how you promote and that's how you get out there. But I also do, uh, I've also been doing some seminars at Transworld and Midwest. I want to, you know, uh, Midwest Haunted Convention. So there's my, there's my plug for me. <laughs> but, but thank you very much for this conversation. I hope that we have it again and really start to dig deep into the, uh, into actor training and character development. And thank you to all the, the hosts as well. You are on the top of our list as of right now. So, Bob, I know you have a lot to plug, so let's let's get to it. Tell us about the Hydro. Tell us about the Kayak Company, all that good stuff, websites, social medias, et cetera. 
Well, hello, 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 hello. Crazy Bob's here in the house. And today's the day where we get to play our way. That's right. Haunted Hydro Dark Attraction Park in Fremont, Ohio. 33 years of fun, fear, and fright done right, baby. <laughs> but, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. Um, we have two major attractions that's right, a 1910 hydroelectric power plant. We have five five-minute escape rooms. We started out with one, then we went to two, and you got it, three, four, and now five this year. Great escape rooms, all new, coming your way. We want you to play. That's right. <laughs> um, if it's scary, sorry, we're merry. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we, during the months, of May, oh, let's see, May, June, July, and uh, August, and the first two weeks of September's, you can come down to our area. We have approximately about 70 miles of Sandusky River for you to portage in. Yeah, no, not portage. I'm sorry, go down in. No, nope, wrong word. We're not going to bury you. We're not going to let you get sink. We're going to give you a rubber raft. It's called a Coco Pelly. Or we're going to give you a, a kayak, K-A-Y-A-K. -A -A -K. Come and check us out, boys and girls. This is our third season going into our industrial activities. We've got several different vans. We've got 86 watercraft, and we've got certified ACA. That's American Canoe Association and, uh, guides that are going to be instructors to tell you how to do it to it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I also want to say a big shout out to Drew. Thank you once again for allowing me to be part of your programs here tonight and uh, my other fellow host. It's a pleasure to talk and be with uh, all of you guys. And don't worry, Crazy Bob's always going to be crazy. And we're going to say for this year, Evil Lucians is coming your way. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Of course, we could not do this without the aforementioned great hosts with their questions and observations, including Storm. The most important aspect of tonight's conversation, whether you be on the teaching or the student end of this, is how you incorporate a rubber chicken. I can't argue with that. Meat hook, Jim. How do I follow something like that? We'll, we'll follow it with Thanks to the old crone, Jana. Uh, I'll have not. what he's having. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. Um, I just want to say my name is Drew Badger. I've been doing actor training officially since 2009. You can reach me at rabidbadger.org. And I just wrote tuition checks for three children who will be in college this year. So please hire me because I'm broke. Anyway, folks, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. And thank you to Hompey. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll make sure that gets in there.
want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror, then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> darkest regions of the Earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so a new bar is being set for, like, haunt promotions and to revitalize your haunt and how to, you know, bring in something new and just, you know, make a splash. And that's Celebrity Promotions. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but you know that the the Queen Mary has had the you know Dark Harbor um, event over the years. Well, it's not happening this year because the company that's running the Queen Mary pretty much went bankrupt, and you know the city of Long Beach is working to uh, a new deal and everything. So they got together with Thirteenth Floor Entertainment, and they are bringing you not actually on the boat this year because it's being fixed, but right around it, Shacktoberfest. Yes. That Shaq. Yeah, exactly. The big giant basketball player. Yeah, Shaq-tastic. Well, now he's got his own holiday at Shaq-toberfest. And it's just your normal haunt stuff, which they're actually promoting more trick-or-treat stuff ahead of time. That's more of a gimmick than an actual play thing. But no, they're going to do the whole haunt thing, the whole you know theme park and six houses, mazes, all kinds of rides, everything. But you, you just throw Shaq on it. And according to even the um, press release, Shaq may even appear during it. This is brilliant. This is great. You know, all you, you know, if you need to breathe new life in your hot promotion, just find a local sports guy and, you know, include him in on it. You know, especially football players. Nobody loves haunts more than football players. If you have a local team, they're coming through your haunt. You may not even know it. It is fantastic, but you just get a local legend, you throw their name on there someplace, they don't even have to go to it! You know, people just assume you throw a cardboard cutout or something there, you're good to go! I mean, you know, it, it works It works for Shaq, and you know, he sells pizzas and, and gold bond powder and everything else, now he's selling haunts! Get in on this while it's hot, you can breathe new life! I know. Until next time, keep every minute scary. in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at the Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're hanging with all the cool kids. And if you've been watching a show that's been on the air for a hundred million years, it seems, called Supernatural, you might have heard of this guy. If you've ever seen that real cool movie, Hustle and Flow, and lots of other things, you might be familiar with an actor by the name of DJ Qualls. He played Garth on Supernatural. He's at the Carolina Fear Fest. 
How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. Happy to be here. How are you? Um, I'm apparently not as jet-lagged as you. You've been doing some traveling. I, I did. I, uh, I just got back from Europe. We did a road trip, actually, around Europe. Uh, and uh, I was in L.A. for a day and a half, and now I'm here. A little jet-lagged, but happy to be here. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about maybe 20,000 miles in a plane right there. I about hope you're getting that. some mileage. About that, yeah. <laughs> On American Airlines. Thank you, American Airlines. <laughs> all right. All plugs aside, um, it, it's Friday night here at the Fear Fest. The VIPs are here visiting. It's, it hasn't gotten super crowded yet, but people are coming up to you and talking to you about what projects you've been on. It's interesting It's because it's. I've been working for 23 years, and so it's everything from I was the first ever killer on Criminal Minds, um, and, uh, and I, I got a little applause in the background for that. Uh, that that's my uh, daughter. She's just now watching Criminal Minds because she just wrapped up the entire Supernatural series, ironically enough. And a lot of a lot of Supernatural. Also, a lot of a show I did with this comedian named Jim Jeffries called Legit, which is my favorite thing I ever did. There's a movie I did uh, called Lone Star State of Mind, which is a cult classic here in the South with Josh Jackson. So it's, it's really been, it's, it's, it's varied. It's been all over the board. It hasn't it, just it been really has, though. Awesome. It really has. So you say you've been working for 23 years, which is very ironic because, honestly, you don't look older than about 25. So I don't, I, know if you did, I don't know if you did baby commercials or whatever, but we can talk <laughs> about that later. But how did you get started? Were you a theater major? Did you do, like, summer stock stuff? How did you get into the acting business? That's a good question. As a kid, I always did, like, community theater and that kind of stuff. And then uh, I always wanted to be an actor, but I'm from a small town in Tennessee, and that's not really a, a viable job. And I'm the first person in my family to graduate from high school, the first to go to college and graduate. And I had tremendous student loan debt, and so I went into law. The only, the only jobs I knew were d- lawyer and doctor. And so I went to college in England and studied law and, and, and worked as a law, at a law firm there for several years. And then moved back to Nashville to go to American Law School because my degree would not transfer. Oh, Answered an ad in the newspaper to go down to Atlanta to audition for a one-line part in Road Trip. Wound up getting a lead. And six months later, I was on The Tonight Show. <laughs> it really was that. that. That's a heck of a thing from going from small town Tennessee, eastern. Central. I'm middle. I'm from a town called Manchester, Tennessee, halfway oh, yeah. between Nashville and Chattanooga. MTSU, go, yep. go team! That's right, Murfreesboro's right there. <laughs> there you go. I, I travel the state quite a lot, quite a lot. But um, to go all the way to England and then come all the way back here, the, the culture shock has got to be one thing. Did the, do you think that helped you as an actor going from you know rural Tennessee, which you know has its stereotypes, to prim and proper England, going to university there and all that? Um, the thing about when you're 18, 19, you're so dumb, you don't know, like, you don't know that things are hard or that you could fail. You really don't pick up on social norms. You're just sort of yourself. And I, I just, I never felt out of place there. I've never felt out of place really anywhere because I am just myself. And <laughs> the thing is, when you, even when I started acting and you get a little recognizable, like, nothing about your insides change. People's reaction to you changes. And so, and I realize that this doesn't have a lot to do with me. I'm there on the day and I make these things, but somebody else wrote it, somebody else directed it. There's a lot of hands on deck for film and television projects. And we're just the part that makes that, you know, brings it to life. Sure. Being that I had a, um, a sit-down with my daughter for the last several months on um, watching Supernatural, did you ever expect that that would be as big a phenomenon as it was? No, I turned the show down when they offered it to me. Really? I, I was tired. Um, it was a, uh, came in seven, se- the seventh season. It was a seven-year-old show that I'd never seen before. And so I, I, just, I was at a place where I, just, I was decided to take a vacation. And it came into us with an offer. And then 
uh, I said no, and then they were like, well, we wrote this with you in mind, just come and do one. And so I did, and I'd known Jared Padalecki for a while, who played Sam on the show. And so I just went and had a great time, and then the character caught on immediately, and then I went up doing a convention in England that same year, and I was like, no one's going to know who I am. And the love, the amount of just un, like, unabashed love for the character, and I was like, wow, there's something here. And, and now they have supernatural conventions around the country. Yeah, I'm going to one uh, next weekend in Chicago. <laughs> and actually, I met my best friend, Ty Olson, who plays Benny the Vampire on that show. He's my best friend in the world, hands down, and... Uh, I met him at a supernatural convention. I, I that that's fantastic. I understand you're working on a new movie that uh, you may be doing more than just acting in. Um, well, I well I just finished Guillermo del Toro's next project. It's from Netflix called Cabinet of Curiosities, which was amazing. I had amazing amounts of prosthetics because I play a sort of a creature in it. And then uh, my production company I, that I formed during like before, right before COVID. Uh, we just got our first movie greenlit, and I'm acting and producing it. I'm starring in it and producing it. It's really exciting stuff. It's a real movie. A- anything you can uh, spoil us with here on this? Um, it's about the world's meanest man, and I'm the world's meanest man. Oh. Yeah. And you will be acting like that because I've seen you interact with the fans, and I don't think there's a streak of meanness in you. Well, before 9 a.m., I'm not a nice person. Well, well, it's a good thing we got to you later exactly. at night then as opposed to coming in I early mean, tomorrow. Between 2 p.m. and 4 a.m., they're my best times of day, <laughs> so we're golden. So, you're doing a Carolina Fear Fest. You just said you're going to a Supernatural convention in Chicago. Where will you be traveling over the next, say, two or three months so people may may uh, wind up meeting you at places? Oh, dude, I don't know. Hold on. It's in my phone. I had to make a schedule. Uh, let me find it. Stall, stall, stall. Yeah. While we're stalling here, I'll just ask you this. For people wanting more information about you, I assume you have social media, websites, and all that where they can also look up these possible conventions. Yeah, I don't have I, I don't have a website. That's not me. Um, but I'm my Facebook is private. It's how I talk to my family. Oh, sure. But I have a Twitter account and a uh, an Instagram account that are my name. Okay, so I'm in Chicago next weekend, which is... June 6th? No. It's early June. Yeah, yeah early June. I'm in Austin uh, the 9th and 10th. I'm in Paris the 6th through 9th. And I'm in Rhode Island the 4th through, through the 6th of November. You, you are a traveling man. Boy, boy, glad American Airlines does those frequent flying miles for you. So once again, folks, I want to thank DJ Qualls for taking the time to speak to us here at the Big Scary Show. He's got a Twitter. He's got an Instagram. Look up DJ Qualls, and you will find all that information, correct? That's right. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us here on the Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger, live at the Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're out.
Cult, Saturday Night Double Feature, on the Big Scary Show. Columbia Pictures' spectacular and terrifying... It came from beneath the sea. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. <laughs> it's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> Have you ever Googled yourself? Um, I mean your haunt to see where it shows up? A good website is vital to your business. This is how the majority of our demographic finds us. So you need to know how to make it as easy as possible for people to find your website and keep it high up in the rankings instead of on page two. No one ever goes to page two. If you're not tech savvy, you may not be familiar with the term SEO, which stands for Search 
engine optimization. Opti Let me try that again. Search engine optimization. There we go. This is a way of increasing both the quality and quantity of traffic to your website by using certain key search words, good content, and regular page updates. There are a lot of tutorials on the web, and I encourage you to take time to study a few of these. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you the very, very basics. Remember, you can also hire someone to do this for you. There's no shame in asking for help if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself. The job of all search engines is to scour websites to find anything that matches what you entered in the search bar. Now let's say my website only says Banshee Manor and doesn't contain the words haunted house or attraction anywhere. I can assume everyone knows it's a haunted attraction, can I? Well, what if someone Googles haunted house near me? and I didn't use the key search word haunted in my SEO, then my website won't show up. That makes sense, right? We want our haunts to be found easily and organically, meaning free. You can pay for an ad to ensure it pops up at the top of the page. There's nothing wrong with that, but isn't free better? The majority of all traffic is organic, so let's make sure we take advantage of that. These are some basics that can help your rankings. Use keywords that make sense to help people find what they're looking for. A great example I saw was if you enter the word bands into the search bar, you're going to get everything from music bands, wedding bands, band saws, and so on. So don't enter a bunch of keywords that really don't narrow down their search. Choose keywords that are relevant to your haunt. If you have an outdoor haunt, you may want to include words that apply to your location, like corn maze, hayride, spooky trails, pumpkin patch. Now, upon recommendation of my website host, I have certain words in the body of my website, but I also have a keyword list. In that list, I included words like haunted house, haunted attraction, haunted castle, and Halloween festivities. I also included the name of several of the small local towns in my area that do not have haunted houses, so mine will pop up if they don't use a specific town. So next you want to make sure your page is updated often, even if it's just something small. Most search engines will drop the oldest pages updated to the bottom of their list. So if you only update your website once a year, you might want to increase that. You don't want the internet to think that your page is dead or inactive. Also make sure you have easy to find content on your page. Social influences and shares also show a positive impact and interest and can raise your rankings. Clicks to your website from Facebook or other social media sites is great. Make sure your page is user friendly. And if your website allows you insight into where your clicks are coming from, what keywords are being used, definitely take advantage of that. Also, if you're using Google Business, that's a great resource for information on how to make your website better. So when the, you want a break from the hellhound days of summer, grab a cold drink, your laptop, 
and cool off while updating your website and your SEOs. Until next time, don't forget to stir the cauldron. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Spookhaus. I want to be your vampire. And a white On the big scary show. Came down out of the mist.
Yourself. If they're worth dressing right, they're worth Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N.com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings, Fright Finder, Haunt Pay, Von Caron Productions, and VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meet Hook Jim. Check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com. And Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.